1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Oh, you didn't know?
0: Your ass better call somebody! Research and development. Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week we put liquid paper on
1: a bee. And it died.
0: What? Did we just become best friends? Yup!
1: Can I tell you something without you getting angry? I love you. Yeah,
0: you big guy.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. After taking off last week, which broke my heart, absolutely broke my heart. I didn't get my winter show in, but my man, my man was sick and we had to cancel. Adam, Adam, I think that was the first show we've ever missed on the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast show, period. I think we've done. It's the truth.
0: It's the truth. (laughs) It it hurt me. I was up there in my bedroom like fuck man i can't i can't talk like there's just no way i can do 10 minutes let alone mike's gonna try to get me through like three hours of winners i mean we're talking the winners so mike's gonna want to talk for forever but uh, it sucked not doing it man uh, it sucked not having the 40 podcast that friday but
1: hey i mean it is what it is i'm glad you're better buddy i'm glad you're back uh, your health was the most important thing during that time uh sorry we missed you dynasty degenerates but no Deep down in my soul, I was yearning, yearning to be able to talk to you, yearning to be able to do this show. So I'm so glad that we're back and we're not gonna let a minute go to waste. Adam, outside of the obligatory, how are you doing? <laughs> how are you enjoying the playoffs so far?
0: You know, I'm 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 doing a lot better this week than I was last week. Um still got a lingering cough, but you won't hear any of that. Um, how I'm doing though, Mike, the the the, the playoffs have been a treat, honestly. Outside of, you know, your Eagles just shellacking the hell out of the Giants. Um, (laughs) A a lot of games that were intriguing. I I kept waiting for Buffalo to come back. It just never happened. Um, They're exciting, man. I, I think right now what's interesting as hell to me about the NFC matchup in particular, before we get into all the winners and Dynasty talk, is that the winner of that game has a quarterback that is in for something that most people didn't think was coming their way. Yeah. Even if you were a believer in Jalen Hurts, like I don't think you believe that he might have an opportunity to win MVP in a Super Bowl in the same year and also lock up an absolutely insane contract. Like it, it, that is the rosiest of outlooks for any player, period. Like that that's in the range of outcomes. If, if they beat Frisco and they win the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts is not only locking up a contract, Back up the Brinks truck, pay this man whatever he wants. He will reset the quarterback market. And there's a scenario where he wins the MVP in the same season. On the flip side, Mike, with Frisco, you've got a guy that basically it's like, okay, we're gonna hand hand the reins to Brock Purdy. We're just hoping he can keep us, you know, somewhat on track. Not 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 lose too much momentum that we had going with Jimmy G. Mike, this team is it I think they won twelve games in a row. And, Mike, this guy has not lost a game as a starter. If they beat Philly this week and he goes to the Super Bowl, I mean, you you have complete mayhem on your hands as far as what Sam Fran's going to do, who made a gigantic investment on Trey Lance. And they finally, after last year, were like, all right, you know what, we're going to just give him the reins. We don't want Jimmy getting in the way of that. We're going to make it clear. Like, they have a whole new bag of worms coming now. I mean, Brock Purdy has played well enough to absolutely warrant the conversation of starting next year. If they go to the Super Bowl, if they win the Super Bowl, can you imagine? Like how do you tell the entire locker room we're going back to Trey? Like it yeah. I think either way that it shakes out for the NFC, you have a scenario for either quarterback that wins that game of just monumental shift from where we thought things would be a year ago.
1: I think the the one thing I'm having the hardest part about getting over with Brock Purdy is the amount of you know as I said it in Heisman kind of tongue in cheek, but I do mean it. It this guy is uh has been incredibly lucky at times. Like there was a the Dallas game, there was three passes that should have been easily picked off and uh, for whatever reason dropped. Uh, Dallas couldn't come up with them. He's made some some. Some pretty good throws. Uh, he's made some really good off-schedule plays, which I like to see, the improv. But he's also made some some absolutely horrible throws. I know a couple weeks ago in the Seattle game, everybody was praising him for that deep throw down the sideline to uh, Juwan Jennings. But I would, I would venture to say that most safeties in the league who are covering that intercept that. And that safety, for whatever reason, went for the tackle. <laughs> he threw it so far inside. If he would have just looked back, he would have been like, oh, here's a football thank you <laughs> right and that's the uh, the game willing, winning game sealing throw that Brock Purdy made that everybody was so happy about so i will acknowledge that maybe it's just me being a brock purdy hater but you're you're fully correct if he if he knocks off the eagles this week takes them to the super bowl i mean it's a whole new bag we got to start the the evaluation process all over i got to let go of a lot of my priors there won't be a lot of reasons for san francisco to not just Name him the starter going forward. Whether that means they keep Trey Lance for financial reasons and cost control, you know, like been discussed at nauseam in the uh, the Heisman chat, or or maybe they 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 look to move him, look to trade him, look to move on from him, and bring maybe Jimmy G back as the backup, or or whatever the hell they decide to do. It is a. Interesting weekend. I, I think Jalen Hurts is established. We kind of talked about it a little bit on the AMA uh that we did on Tuesday night on our YouTube page, but you 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 kind of said it, man. It it I don't think it really matters what happens with Jalen Hurts this weekend. He's getting paid, he's getting the bag, he's getting the money, he has been incredible. Uh how far I've come on my Jalen Hurts love. You know, I'm a, a notorious Jalen Hurts hater as of last year, and then this year I'm I'm all in, man. I'm buying the jersey. <laughs> uh proudly proudly accepting any thumbnail you make of Jalen hurts and uh willing to talk about him at any time that you'll allow me. he has been incredible. I love the guy, I love the kid he uh he's what a leader is, and he just goes out there and gets it done and he has improved drastically as a passer and kind of weird that you know at a j Brown as your your other receiver outside of Devontae Smith, who was good last year. Instead of it being a Quez Watkins or Jalen Rager or whoever the hell else <laughs> they were trying out, made that offense night and day difference. Apparently, AJ Brown is really good at football. That's that's feels, my biggest takeaway.
0: Feels kind of like that, uh, you know, Buffalo Bills trade for Stephon Diggs. Now, you can argue bit. they could have taken Justin Jefferson at the at the slot, but same principle there with that. Mike, Mike I, I would say that the only thing I'd fight you on is that, like, I think Hurts is clearly getting a bag, but if he wins the next game, versus the, the Niners, and then they win the Super Bowl, yeah. and there's a scenario where he gets the MVP, the bag size is a different conversation. <laughs> like, I think really I think that play. he has a chance to say, fuck y'all, you guys are resetting the quarterback market on me, or we're not having the conversation. If you win the Super Bowl, you win the MVP, and you have that type of a season, phew, that, I think that does actually matter. And I'm not saying he's not getting paid. Like They're they're going to pay him something incredible. But I think the leverage he has at the negotiating table goes up. And Dynasty Degenerates, we're not going to get in negotiation at the leveraging table today because we have to get to Mike's winners, my winners for this year because it's been far too long. I pushed him back a week and then the next thing you know I had COVID and it feels like it's been forever since Mike wanted to get the winners. But I will tell you, This week, we are going to discuss some of the places we went correct, and we actually had winners this year. We had a lot of losers, but believe it or not, we had quite a bit of winners, too. Um, The fact that it's our winners, it may not be the standard two-hour pod. We don't have that many winners, but Mike, I'll, I'll let you start off. Talk to the people, talk to the Dynasty Degenerates that have been waiting for over a week to hear us bring the winners.
1: I'm going to start off with three quarterbacks, Adam, and you and I dug in Deeply. Did the deep dive. Uh, did individual video breakdowns on our YouTube channel about these guys. Why you should be buying them at cost. And uh, they paid off for us, right? Uh, the first one, Trevor Lawrence. Um, by, by some people's standards, um, I would say I'm included in that. One of the best quarterback prospects we've ever seen. Uh, had an absolutely horrendous rookie year. Uh, wasn't that good the whole team was, was god-awful, right? And we kind of preached the, uh, the patience thing, right? Urban Meyer was horrible at being an NFL head coach, um, not very good at being a human being in a lot of situations. That team was dysfunctional. Doug Peterson had a reputation for fixing quarterbacks or bringing out the best in his quarterbacks, and we saw it this year. Trevor Lawrence bounced back, uh, firmly securing himself in, I would say, top eight uh, fantasy quarterback territory. Uh, not much question about it and in making the throws making the plays uh made the playoffs right and actually gave kansas city a nice run for their money uh they stuck in that game a lot longer than i think most people gave well them credit and for. also
0: had one of the one of the top three biggest comebacks we've ever seen in the did. playoffs right um and and let's be honest he he started off as bad as a quarterback could start off in that game but you know you know what's funny that that the whole season's kind of was that way for uh the Jags. They they started okay and then they really were people basically counted them out of the playoffs for weeks now. They end up making the playoffs. But Mike, let me give you another thing about Trevor Lawrence that is uh I believe it just happened today. We talked top 8. I agree. He's top 8 solidified. But keep trade cut, Mike. Uh the dynasty degenerates, maybe not all of you, but everyone that decides to vote on keep trade cut has moved him ahead of Lamar Jackson, like He is quarterback six on keep trade Damn. cut, which if we're going to start off with a winner, we'll start off with Trevor Lawrence getting to quarterback six, which I can guarantee you, like I can guarantee you, the rosiest of rosy on Trevor Lawrence and the bully, the most bullish on him didn't have him in the top six at the end of the season. So, like, that, that's, that, that's a win. That's a win
1: that's incredible and it's and it's even looking a little bit better for him next year with calvin ridley coming back from suspension him getting another weapon um and then we'll kind of wait and see what they do in free agency i still a, draft, a second but, right right uh zay jones was a nice surprise uh shout out to Evan our uh, patron yeah shout out to our patron zach for being the biggest zay jones fan i think i've ever met in my entire life but zay jones was good it Evan was zay Ingram. jones
0: and Khalil yeah. herbert back and forth like that's all we heard from zach
1: Right. Um, so Trevor Lawrence was was one of them. The other one, uh, Justin Fields, not too far behind Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, in Dynasty, but behind a uh, lot of people, man. We're out on Trevor or on Justin Fields. Let's talk uh, about
0: week five.
1: Oh, man, the panic was real on Justin Fields. Mike, it but wasn't real. It was
0: that. it was ridiculous. Mike, let's just talk. We can go back to the summer for a second. But let me just say week five ish week four, week five. Mike, the, I'm telling you right now, people that are very tapped in were completely out of the Justin Fields business. Not only not top twelve, not top ten, Mike. I'm talking out. Like they I will trade Justin Fields for a can of dog food just to get something back because Justin Fields is not going to be the quarterback next year. Here's the crazy part, Mike. Dynasty DeGeneres, think about this. We're going into this year, they have the number one pick. Right. And he still is a top 10, top 12 dynasty quarterback for most people. That is crazy given what we thought about him in week four, week five.
1: Pat on our back, too, because one of the things we said all along about Justin Fields was it seems very likely in the realm of possibility, and this is this is preseason, this is pre, pre-actual games being played, but it, it just feels like with the way the Bears were going, we said these exact words that Justin Fields could have a Jalen Hurts 2021-esque season where he just kind of takes the team on the back and he has to do everything. He doesn't have the weapons. He doesn't have the the offense to really sit back there like Joe Burrow, right, and just dish it out to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Hayden Hurst and Joe Mixon, right? He doesn't have the ability to be the distributor because the offense wasn't good around him, but we recognize his elite Elite athleticism at the quarterback position, his ability to run, even though we hadn't seen it a lot in college, right? That was one of the biggest knocks was, oh, he just doesn't run. Well, when you have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. and all these other guys, you know, that Ohio State just keeps churning out, talk to your talent, you don't need to run. <laughs> just throw the football to these guys. But when we got to the Bears and what they surrounded him or the lack of what they surrounded him, he did have a very Jalen Hurts 2021 season where he had to put that team on his back at some times. And while passing uh left some things to be desired, he did some nice things in there, but the weapons were horrible. But as far as rushing ability, big play, wow factor ability, I don't think there was any quarterback that was more exciting on a play-to-play basis than Justin Fields was all year. Like he has a, a top 10 highlight reel of just the 2022 season that will rival just about anybody in the history of the NFL with some of the amazing runs <laughs> that he did his uh his ap- acrobatics ballerina moves how the hell he stay on his feet and then just running past defenders left and right so Justin Fields uh, another quarterback who makes the winners list for me what do you think about that guy
0: I mean Mike I think I think there's there are still people that are not wanting to buy into Fields at his current cost because you know, we had so many quarterbacks fall off this year, and now the top 12 is the top 12, and then, then we are like, Trey Lance, before I get to another winner at quarterback, what people say is by 14. Won't spoil the name, right? Like, it starts getting, you know, risky, and I think that people feel like Justin Fields is being propped up, and I think there's concern about his long-term passing upside and the fact that he's taking all these shots at quarterback. But But let me say this, Mike. And Dynasty Degeneres, I think this is really important to think about. Like, when you when you look, and, and I've said this, I don't know if it was specifically on one of the 4D podcasts, but I've said it on a lot of content that we've done. When you think about the quarterback position, right, there are, there are running and there are mobile quarterbacks. So, like, a mobile quarterback, I mean, you, you could probably consider Patrick Mahomes mobile. Like, you know, he'll make a play in the pocket. He'll run, he'll scramble and make a play. Then you have running quarterbacks you know you have Jalen Hurts even like Jalen Hurts is a great running quarterback he's somebody that can score a bunch of touchdowns he's fast he's big but Mike when you think about big time insane upside take one to the house and beat every one of the 22 players on the field to the corner Mike, there's not many there's hardly any as a matter of fact Personally, I mean, we haven't seen one from Lamar in a while because he hasn't played, but, like, to me, it's Lamar Jackson and it's Justin Fields that yeah. you get them in open space and you say, all right, see ya. Like, y'all can see me in the end zone when I'm celebrating, <laughs> right? Like, a, Jalen Hurts is a great runner, but there's a lot of times if it, if they're on, you know, the other team's 30, like, he's not going to make it to the other uh, to the end zone because he's going to get cornered like someone's gonna get catch up with him not saying he's not fast not saying he's not a good running quarterback but justin fields i think we need to start understanding and if you haven't you haven't paid enough attention last year this is one of the guys that has the ability to take any run that's a pedestrian run and make it a 70 or 80 yard touchdown and when we talk about fantasy football mike that that's special that's different than the rest and then you talk about already like the weaponry Darnell Mooney got hurt pretty early. They trade for Claypool. Claypool isn't even playing. I don't know what the hell happened there. They gave up the first pick in the second round, which after Miami forfeiting their pick, that's basically a first round. It is a first round pick. They give up a first round pick for Chase Claypool, Mike. This guy ain't playing. Mike, his weaponry is horrible. Cole Komet, arguably his best weapon for all these weeks. Stop it with judging the guy as a passer yet. All right, now... This is an Ohio State guy, but stop trying to judge the man as a passer given what the situation was this year. I, Mike, I think, you know, given the quarterback landscape, I want to invest in Justin Fields. I, I would like to see him not take as many shots. I would like to see some things change, but honestly, Mike, given what we know today, I am I could not be more ecstatic for what we have
1: in Justin Fields. I like it. Those two guys specifically, we'll get to the third one here, but, I mean, both of those guys are coming off of one year where people just jump to conclusions about them. And I think that was our biggest thing, the preaching, is these quarterbacks need time, man. I mean, uh, I'm still, I'd like to say young enough, but I'm I'm old enough to remember Peyton Manning coming into the year and and literally throwing a billion interceptions, right, and him not being very good for a couple years and people – People at the time, right, we didn't have all the social media, we didn't have all this content. You know, if, if Peyton Manning had done that today, people would have been writing him off, and this is one of the greatest quarterbacks that's ever played the game. So just give it some time. I'm not saying either one of these guys will ever be on the level of Peyton Manning, but I'm not ready to jump to conclusions after one year. The third one is Tua Tungo-Vailoa for me, and he had uh, more than just one year, but there were some things that we liked heading in the preseason that – that lined up for him, right? What we thought was a good play caller in Mike McDaniel, which showed to be true. He's a fun coach, runs a fun offense, and does a very good job of scheming his players open. And the big acquisition, pairing Jalen Waddle with Tyreek Hill. And Tua in the previous year pretty much had just Jalen Waddle, and that was it. That was his only weapon. Now you give him two dynamic weapons, the ability to scheme people open, spread the ball around, Tyreek Hill, uh, as crazy it is to say, Adam, was, was, uh, yeah, I'm going to say it. He was better with Miami than he was in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. And why is that? He was fed volume, fed volume, underneath routes, short, get him the ball in space, do what he does best, not just run him on nine routes all the time. They also did their fair share of that. But Tua was the ultimate, win healthy, point guard. That guy who would just distribute the football left and right, right? Just just get the ball where it needed to be. Tua does not have the arm strength. Right? People made a billion memes about Tua and his lack of arm strength, and we saw some underthrows this year, no doubt. But he does a great job of you know on that fifteen yard route. If you want the ball out in front of it, so Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle can catch it and get yards after the catch, he puts it in the perfect spot for them to catch and run. So Tua was back in the day, man. Right. Tua was a big hit for me. Um, we still have some concerns, especially in the health department. If if Tua had done what he did all year and never got these concussion problems, it'd be interesting to see where people are valuing Tua right now. Right? I it'd be scary to say. Like, I think I think he'd be pushing Trevor Lawrence to be honest. If he if he didn't have any of these health concerns with these concussions, Adam, he didn't have these. I think on the pace that he was on the ball distribution, the offense, the weapons that he had. I I mean, T-Law was fantastic, but Tua was was really cooking there at times, like flat-out winning you weeks. If you had any kind of like Tua Waddle, Tua Hill stack, you were doing fantastic. So I think now he's still firmly, for me, a top-12 dynasty quarterback. And I think it's one of those rare ones where you can get it value. And if you want to make that bet that you don't think the concussions are that big of a deal and they'll put them behind him and he's still going to play for, you know, the next 10, 10, years, two is going to be an incredible value. But if you do want to fade him because you do have those risks, I also understand that too. I mean, these head injuries are a big deal. And, and the, the amount that he had in one year was, was kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you have three. But then, Mike, you have, I I think the big thing, too, was, and and why this last one, I think, rings so big for people is, you know, speaking to Justin Fields and people ready to sell him for, you know, a can of dog food, like, when Tua had the first one, and then on a short week, people thought he had a second one, right, and, you know, he had the, you know, the gang signs thrown up, like, I'm not trying to make light of that situation because it was scary, right? It was scary for a lot of people, you know, and... Mike, I think the reality was, like, I remember vividly, very vividly conversations in Discord and in Heisman and a lot of places, Mike tapped in people, like, literally wanted out. Like, can can I get out for a first or close? Like, let me just get out. I don't want anything to do with cognitive issues, with brain damage, with a guy that may not play football again, right? All that was being talked about. Missed a few weeks, came back. Still kind of cooked. And then, Mike, you had at the end, right, where he didn't throw and play well. Then you find out he was playing with a concussion. Mm -hmm. And now you got the third one. And all of a sudden, it's like what maybe Tua was trying to put to bed. All of a sudden, is back at the forefront. And now, Mike, what you have to really think about is how long, in Dynasty Degenerates, how long this offseason is. Like, just wait. This offseason is going to be excruciatingly long. You are going to be right after the draft is finished and you got all the hype and excitement. You will not be able to wait until you get to f- the football season and you got months still. <laughs> and you got months still. The problem, I think, for Tua, Mike, and the way his value is, I think you got a lot of people that didn't believe, right? And a lot of people didn't believe because of the arm strength. It's not something you, you put on the film of Justin Herbert or some of these guys in the top 12 and you're like, holy shit right? Like Justin Fields, he takes one of those runs. We just talked about him. Holy shit. He just took that mm. 80 yards to the cribo. you know, you got Lamar makes insane plays. Lawrence even has a lot of moments where you're like, wow, this is a first overall pick. This is a generational talent. Like two is two is highlights. Mike are going to be Tyreek running open, hitting him on, hitting him down the stretch. Right. Or Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill making plays after the catch. Right. So, there's a lot of people I think that don't believe in Tua and think that it's just the situation. So there's a lot of naysayers and this is before the concussion start. And now you had a bad concussion situation that's now going to be in the forefront of people's minds because of the way the situation landed to finish the year. I think that's, what's going to keep Tua's market very depressed. And I think ultimately is what's going to make him probably quarterback 12 for a lot of people in the top 12 and very polarizing. I think you're gonna have people that believe willing to take the risk on the heads, you know, the, the concussions and all that. And I think you're gonna have people that are like, you nah. know, Tua. Nope, I'd rather trade up, use something else, and go get Watson, go get Dak, go get Kyler. Even these are guys that all have their own question marks themselves. I, I think that's what's gonna make Tua most polarizing. But but I will say this, Mike, talking about the winning side of it, this was a guy going into the year in the off season, that once you had got past Kirk Cousins, there was I don't want a quarterback. Like I'm good, I am good, I'm good. And nobody wanted to press the button on Tua. Yeah. And I think here's what we what, what you have. He's worth more in dynasty value, even with all the crazy concussions and people wondering if he even has a long career ahead of him, even though he's at the young age of twenty four. And, Mike, you had a guy that in points per game, like I want to make sure people understand. Like you can hate to all you want. You can say it's not sustainable, all that. Four points per passing touchdown, Mike, top 10 quarterback. Given, you know, missing weeks and not having the greatest weeks. Mike, when he went off for Baltimore, a lot of people I think thought that that was what pushed his value into like territory that didn't make sense. And then you had the concussions right after. But, Mike, even still, what he did in that week two was more than all the other quarterbacks did the year prior. Name him: Patty Mahomes, Joe Burrow. I don't care who it is. Josh Allen, six touchdowns, 470 passing yards. Like, think whatever you want about him. But a quarterback that can give me six passing touchdowns and 470 yards, that's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big deal. Like, say whatever you want about Tuatunga-Vailoa, That does not exist many places. And in a quarterback market that's become more scarce than ever, I'll take the risk, man.
1: All right, man. I'd love two of two. My next two that I'm going to move on to, two rookies. Had them, and I'll put them back. We did a podcast specifically on this network, 40 way back, two Kennys, one draft. And I'm going to put both of them on here as winners for me. Um, Winners. Kenneth Walker, specifically, when we had to talk to him, I know he ended up being like a lot of people's consensus 102, maybe 103, 104. Like he was a top rookie draft pick, but there was a lot of pushback about people wanting Drake London or Garrett Wilson or one of these wide receivers. Traylon Burks. I will say this, man. Kenneth Walker was everything that we hoped for. And I was actually kind of surprised how involved he was in the receiving game. You know, so that was the big knock against him is that he he wasn't going to catch passes. And I specifically remember that game where he had like eight targets and six catches there where they were force feeding him the, the ball through the passing game as well as the running game and basically being his, the, the entire offense for Seattle. One of the things we said in the, the preseason about it is we heard all the, what about Chris Carson? And what about Rashad Penny? And look how he ended the season. And, uh, Chris Carson we never saw, ever. And Rashad Penny uh, did what he did his almost his entire career, and that's uh, get hurt. <laughs> he looks good when he plays. He just can never stay healthy. Kenneth Walker, on the other hand, stayed relatively healthy as soon as he started playing and carried the mail for Seattle on their way to a playoff run. Now, would I like some of the metrics and some of the analytic data on him to be a little bit better, to make me feel better about him? Yes. But was he an incredible value and one that we hit on and identified correctly? I would say yes. The other one, Kenny Pickett. The other Kenny, did we think he was going to be a phenomenal quarterback right out the gate? No. But did we recognize that he has some talent? He would be a value. I mean, hell, Adam, you were getting him at the 107, the 108, the 109, You know, maybe the 110 for the only quarterback drafted in the 22 class in the first round. The only guy people were still talking up that you know maybe Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis should be closer in value <laughs> than what they actually are. You take Malik Willis at the early part of the second round, or take Kenny Pickett at the back part of the first round. Well, I'll just wait and take Malik Willis, or take Desmond Ritter, Slander. or take Matt Corral. How'd that work out for you? Man? <laughs> A couple of these guys are dog shit, and probably never seen the field ever again. Not that good, no one cares. Kenny Pickett performed pretty well and what I really like about it as the season went on you could see Kenny Pickett getting better and Mm -hmm. he really ended the season very strongly the offensive line started to gel they figured out more on how to use their weapons specifically Najee uh him and George Pickens had a real nice connection and they did all this really without Deontay Johnson being this massive factor right I mean Deontay from a fantasy perspective, did almost nothing. Now, his target share was still very elite, but for fantasy points-wise, almost just a wide receiver three at best, which is scary to say. Scary to say. If Deontay comes back, gets his shit together, and Kenny takes another step forward in this offense, I'm not saying he's ever going to enter the top 12 quarterback position, but having a Kirk Cousins-like career, where you're that criminally undervalued QB3, QB2 type, you know, where you're qb13 14 15 and dynasty consistently i don't hate it man i don't hate it for kenny pickett and i think he showed enough that i can reasonably project that going forward that that's a possibility so the two kennys man kenneth walker and kenny pickett for me big hits big hits on identifying early and sticking with them
0: thousand percent i i think a couple things one like all the narratives of kenneth walker literally for me mike now I will, I will admit, you can go back a couple episodes and listen to my losers. I, I got some bad ones. And when I say I got some bad ones, I got some real bad ones. Like, towards the top of the Dynasty chart bad. But l- let me say, every single piece of why Kenneth Walker was a fade for me did not make sense for the way that I Dynasty. And, one, you already kind of touched on, like, almost everywhere I was hearing a combination, if not both, of the names of Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. So, Chris Carson was, you know, I mean, if you don't know this by now, Pete Carroll is the ultimate hype man, and he will tell you everything, right? Like, he's excited for everybody. We're excited to get Chris Carson back. All months, the guy retired way before the season even started. So, like, keep that in mind for stuff with Pete Carroll and injuries and how he, he treats players. Like, Chris Carson had a serious neck injury. We all knew that. And he we knew he was older, a guy that had a decent amount of miles, for the early part of his career didn't have like draft pedigree, right? They, they liked him in Seattle, but he didn't have draft pedigree. Then you had Rashad Penny, which was the ultimate draft pedigree that had flopped and had been hurt. And the big thing with Rashad Penny is like speaking to Chris Carson and the neck injury, this is a guy that whether you thought he was talented or not, you know, he, he was a four year guy at San Diego state and could not stay on the field at all for four seasons. And they brought him back after not opting in on his fifth-year option. Mike. And so now it's like, okay, do you think that the the last few games we've seen of Rashad Penny's career, now all of a sudden he can, he can stay healthy? Like he can take a massive bell cow workload and stay healthy. People were in on that. And people were basically telling you with Kenneth Walker, the crazy part to me was this. With him, it's like, okay, so now you have Seattle. It's not a situation where they throw the ball to the running back. We're already guaranteeing that. We're also saying that we have two guys in front of him. So basically with Kenneth Walker, it's a bad bet because what happens is you're gonna take a running back, although he has draft pedigree in the second round. They he has two guys in front of him. It's not a good situation. It's not a good football team. And he's not gonna play year one. So basically, like you're gonna to have to hold him for a full season before you get value accrual. Like that that was all I want I want everyone to understand and I want to reiterate that because I think people forget as stuff as time goes on, Mike, how the narratives are. Like to that that irked me. Like we don't know situations guaranteed. We just don't. With the running back position with draft capital do not guarantee a situation. Definitely don't tell me that guys that are not healthy currently in Chris Carson and can't stay healthy, Rashad Penny, are going to guarantee him relegated to the back, you know, back burner. And Mike, then we saw Think about this. Week four, the first four weeks. Now, 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 another thing that happened that people probably forget about was there was the the core injury. Now, now you had, like, I think people don't put enough stock in. When you have a preseason injury, Mike, so now you have this young running back that has guys in front of him that can't get on the field. That's like worst case scenario, right? Like a lot of times then it's going to take even longer for them to get on the field and become someone that matters. Mike, so he misses week one. First three weeks, it's the Rashad Penny show. People are, I told you so, I told you so. Week five, Rashad Penny goes down. I'm not I'm not one to victory lap injuries. I'm not trying to say that I'm victory lapping Rashad Penny's injury. But, you know, a guy that can't stay healthy all of a sudden gets hurt again. Mike, he, he didn't even get, when I say he, Kenneth Walker didn't even get feature work in week five. But he took over the backfield because of necessity. And then, Mike, week six on, a guy that's getting elite snap share the offense is so much better than we thought this is a guy that's valued as running back 1 on key trade cut for months people told you don't take him cuz he you have to hold him for forever before value accrual happens he's ahead of Jonathan Taylor what what I, you're hearing me go off cuz this is my biggest win personally because of all the all the reasons were correct it's not just what happened you're, you're betting on a situation that you can guarantee. We can't guarantee situations. Look at the Rams. Look at the Broncos. Look at Seattle this year, right? And then, Mike, you have a talented kid that we're sure can't catch passes, and even in a situation where they don't want to throw the football to running backs, he had games where he caught passes and showed that he can do that. Mike, when you go from, in Dynasty Jones, when you look at week six, when he took over, Rashad Penny was out of the equation. To week eighteen, and you put PPR, which is one of the main things. Like, even if he hits, it's he's not a PPR guy. This is a top ten running back in points per game this year, this season, week six to week eighteen. Mm. People mm. faded. People faded him for Chris Carson. Like it, it, this one. I'm sorry, I went off for a while there, but it a lot of the stuff irked me. And that one felt really good, man, honestly.
1: Last one I got here, at least on my side, and we'll get to some of yours that are individual. And I didn't
0: even touch on Kenny Pickett because I don't – and I just (laughs) want to – I I love
1: me some Kenny Pickett. But the last one I got, another rookie, another rookie here that I'm going to throw in, and it's Jahan Dotson. People dunked all over Jahan Dotson, and they dunked all over him even after Washington took him with a premium first-round pick. Ray, Ray didn't even draft. want me.
0: To, Ray didn't even want me to talk about him on the um the draft stream. I'll never forget. It was actually it was, it's hilarious too. If you can find <laughs> if you can go back on Twitter and find somebody out there uh, clipped like our draft stream highlights, it yes. was pretty awesome. Because if you remember, Jahan Dotson got drafted, and then immediately after Mike went crazy, we had the uh, the epic you know picture of him shook out of his mind because Philly traded for AJ Brown. So I, I, I was like. Real quick, before we get to AJ Brown, because that's the big news, can we talk about Jahan Dotson? And Ray's like, "What do you want to talk about?" I, I don't like it. <laughs> it. It was just, it was, it was an epic moment. Go, go back and find that uh, that clip. Um, Ray wasn't actually out on Jahan Dotson; he just wanted to get to AJ Brown. But Mike, like, Way John Dotson had by. an up and down season,
1: but I think still was a win, right? Yes, he had, he had some really good moments, man, especially for where you were taking him in your rookie drafts. One of those guys where I was all over, especially the early part of the second round, you can get him consistently, sometimes the mid part of the second round in your rookie drafts. I think it was part of the commanders, uh, part of him being you know, a senior at the time. He wasn't one of these early declares, didn't have your, the shine. And...
0: Your Carson Wentz.
1: Yeah, my Carson Wentz. But Jahan Dotson, Adam, if you remember one of the things that we had said about him, um, I know specifically I was all over this for a while where I was looking at him and I'm going like, just watching him play, I'm no scouting expert, man. I defer to Ray, but when I watched him play, I had a lot of Deontay Johnson was. You and speed I both, comes. man. Yeah, like that's just the way he looked on the field to me. And crazy to think, I mean, Deontay had a. If you look at the totality of their rookie years, right? Deontay had a better rookie year, correct? But you look at you look at some of the numbers that 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 Jahan Dotson put up, right? 523 yards on 35 receptions, seven touchdowns, deep targets, right? His yards per reception, damn near 15, 61 targets in 12 games. Puts him on a pace for about five targets a game, right? Just a little bit over. Deontay Johnson's rookie year, is about 5.7 targets a game. So he, he commanded a little bit more, but Jahan Dotson's out here catching deeper passes and for more touchdowns with a shitty quarterback, <laughs> an absolutely horrendous quarterback with Terry McLaurin, a guy that we like on the other side, also commanding a lot of targets. Jahan Dotson performed very well in the situation. He was an incredible value. I'm not going to get over my skis and go acquire him everywhere, but the fact that you got this guy in some of your rookie drafts in the mid part of the second round of what was a weak class, Adam. It's kind of impressive, man. And I really liked what I saw from John Dotson. Would I have loved to see the thousand yards out the gate? Yes, but that was probably never destined to happen with Terry McLaurin and Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke.
0: Well, I mean, I, I'm not gonna go that far, Mike, as that last part you said, because I think we gotta remember there, there was a couple things that took place that actually were working against Jahan Dotson. Like we, we people forget we had the resurgence of Curtis Samuel. We had Carson oh, wow. Wentz, who yeah. was very, very like he had an affinity. It was like Mike, Mike, Mike right now with his Juwan Johnson thing. Like, I, I love <laughs> me some Curtis Samuel. Like, dude, I'm not kidding you. Curtis Samuel was earning some serious targets. This, this yes. was an offense, remember, people were basically saying Carson Wentz could not support two fantasy receivers. Mike, this is an offense that wasn't good that had a guy named Curtis Samuel coming and taking double digit targets weekly early, right? On top of Terry McLaurin, and they have a first-round receiver in Jahan Dotson. Now, Mike, given that, his first four weeks before the injury, wide receiver 13, wide receiver 17, wide receiver 22. Mike, Mm. four touchdowns in there. This is on pretty low target volume. Now, the yards weren't very high, but this is a young receiver on not a great offense that is scoring touchdowns and is showing that he's capable. Then there's an injury, Mike, and I think what people have to remember here is when you have a rookie that has an injury pretty early in the season, it's not a deal breaker, but for a lot of people, that's a giant value killer and ends up being someone they just want to fade, like they just don't yeah. want any part of that. Like you think Rashad Bateman? Think I don't name them? Name the Chris guys Watson that, yeah, name the guys that have had injuries for multiple, multiple weeks, Mike. So this is a guy that misses week five, week six, week seven, week eight, week nine. Mike, I know that doesn't sound like a lot. And dynasty juniors doesn't sound like a lot. But when you think about over a month of a guy that people weren't really excited about, and then he's missing time, he becomes a very big afterthought. Right. And then the offense is worse. Washington's terrible. Taylor Heineke's playing quarterback. Like everything changes when he comes back. Right. You have two weeks where he doesn't do anything. Like he's trying to get back healthy and earn snap share. Then, Mike, you have week 12 where he doesn't have a single catch. So, so, think his first three weeks back off this injury. Now, he hasn't done anything. Then, Mike, all of a sudden when he starts looking healthy again, right before the bye, nine targets, five catches, wide receiver 18 has the bye, gets more healthy. Wide receiver 8, wide receiver 12, then has a wide receiver 34 the final week of the season on a very bad offense with no quarterback certainty, right? Three different quarterbacks he's played for. Mike... I'm not going to say Jahan Dotson is like, oh my God, like you killed it with Jahan Dotson. Like people won't say it's like that winner like it is with Kenneth Walker, who became the running back one for weeks, right? Or at least in the <laughs> conversation. But like th- this quietly is a season to be excited about that I don't think the market's actually really going to catch up on for the most part.
1: I like it. He's going to be disrespected and probably be a value. And it's a guy I'm willing to take multiple shots on now. I'm not going to say I'm going to go out and get overexposed on it, but. I like what Jahan Dotson did. He's definitely not a face planner. He definitely gained some value. He gained some of my trust in my ability to uh, to kind of look at players and go like, man, he's got a skill set that I kind of like. I don't know exactly what it is. I'll leave this to Ray to break it down and better. But when I look at it, there's another receiver that comes to mind, Deontay Johnson, and he kind of oh, looks oh, like him, but a la- little bit faster.
0: Last point, Mike, I wanted to make. Jahan Dotson, as people thought, you know, Number three in targets, at least, for the first part, and I still think number three in targets at minimum. You know you know who he was ahead of in points per game this year, Mike? Who? Deontay Johnson. <laughs> no way. Mike, who earned how many targets this year? Like, say whatever you want about Deontay Johnson. He didn't get the targets he got with Big Ben, but significantly more targets. Mike, he, in his rookie season, outperformed Deontay Johnson this season, who was That's paid. That's crazy. And I don't think people actually realize that, other than you know Deontay was a a, a big disappointment this year. But the point is, on points per game basis, better than Deontay in his rookie season in a bad situation with target competition. So I'm I'm not gonna sit here and act like Jahan Dotson. You gotta go buy Jahan Dotson. He's some like you gotta get him and start nine or whatever. But like in best ball, a lot of the formats I play, Mike, I'm I'm very interested in
1: Jahan Dotson given what he did his rookie season. Some honorable mentions. I'll kick it over to you, buddy. Uh, I I did a very good job, I think, of avoiding those wide receivers with ACL injuries. Chris Godwin, Michael Gallup, come to mind. Where I knew there was going to be a buy window when when guys are scoring like Kenny, which you touched on with Jahan. That's when they're scoring zeros in your lineup and not even playing. People start to lose their shit just a little bit. Even even the most sound rock steady managers that you know look at it week in and week out and go like i can't start this guy because he's a zero he's not even doing anything for me both those guys came in so if you faded them in the preseason in your startups and then tried to make a move later in the year to go acquire them bravo to you uh i think i called that one pretty good and then the last one this guy came on later in the year and kind of just became everything that we thought he was for a while now, for a couple years, Adam. But that was a uh, Brandon Ayuk. Good to see him finally living up to. How is Brandon us. Ayuk
0: an honorable mention?
1: Honorable mention, man. I, I no, got so much I will time
0: not here. stand for it. He's one of <laughs> my. He's one of my winners. So uh, there it go is. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's all right. Go no, I
1: will let you. Go ahead. No, go I want to hear your. Water. I want to
0: hear your Brandon Ayuk take first before we get to why he's not an honorable mention for me.
1: I, I like Brandon Ayuk, man. He showed he showed everything that we wanted from him. Uh, a couple years ago, he was a top 15 dynasty wide receiver for quite a few of us in the space, right? We had, we had him very, very high. Uh, then we had the doghouse. The doghouse year, right? The first seven, eight weeks where him and Kyle Shanahan were not getting along. Uh, came back, kind of salvaged it towards the end of 2021. Had some moments, but... Heading into this year, man, I still thought he was an incredible value. The talent didn't go anywhere, and we just hoped that him and Kyle had had worked out the differences. And Brandon Ayuk showed that uh, while Debo had that fantastic year in 2021, as far as being a receiver and a down-the-field playmaker, right, just straight-up receiver, Brandon Ayuk is the number one on that team as far as the guy that they want to run routes, break people down, create separation, get the ball to – that's him. Uh, Debo is, Debo is good. This is no takeaway from Debo, but Brandon Ayuk is by far the best wide receiver on that team. Pure wide receiver. Yeah, but I mean, the,
0: the, and they also used him that way. I, I think, you know, I I think telling a story of the narrative of the off season is a big thing with some of the winners here, Mike. And, and the reason for me, Brandon Ayuk is one of the, one of the top winners, actually, not just a, an honorable mention. Me personally, at least, Mike, right. When you thought about Brandon Ayuk, you you had a lot of things happening, right? So so, like when you walk through it, okay? So you had his rookie season, where I think people were kind of sleeping on him a lot. He really woke up the back half of the season. And like you got to remember, man, th- th- this is when they had a really bad year. Like Jimmy G was not playing; he was hurt. You had Nick Mullins and and these cast of characters at running back or at quarterback, and th- this was. Kyle Shanahan's worst season in Frisco Mm -hmm. by a mile, right? You remember week one and two, they were supposed to play in New York back-to-back weeks and they had all those injuries and they had everyone freaking out about how the the, the field wasn't right. Mike, this is a guy from week eight to week 15 that was earning as a rookie with bad quarterback play target volume that's insane. 10, 14, 9, 16, 13 targets. Then you had, you know, probably an an overexcitement of value come his way going into a second year. Then you're looking at, you know, the shenanigans stuff, right? And Mike, I I just think when you look at how things progressed, you know, him being in the doghouse early, not getting targets, not being featured, kind of his value at that point. Like one of the things I want to stress with Brandon Ayuk, and this is something with young receivers in general is like, if, if you're looking at, you know, a year where they don't fire early and then they fire in the back half and then they, once again, have a troubled year in year two and they don't have this big name cachet like a Drake London or someone that everybody is super excited about, like, you'll never retain the allure. And I think Brandon Ayuk is the case of that. Because, Mike, he, he actually, once again, finished decent in the back half of that year after he got out of the shenanigans, right? And... It's like nobody saw it. And why? Because Debo was healthy. Kittle played well. The offense was good, right? This is before CMC even gets traded there, Mike. Like, just keep all this in mind. Everybody listening. So now you have, going into year three, this is wide receiver 36-ish in dynasty startups, Mike. Oh, Completely man. discounted. We, we did a video on this. Like, we did a video on how if you draft him here, you're drafting him at his floor. Even if it doesn't work out, Like you're not going to lose on Brandon Ayuk.
1: Yeah, he'll be just fine.
0: But there's a scenario where he wins. And, Mike, this was baking in that Trey Lance was going to be a better passer and someone could push the ball downfield early. Week one, Trey Lance is playing in a monsoon. They only throw the ball in the end of the game because they are down and they're trying to win. Week two, Trey Lance gets hurt. So now you got Jimmy G all over again. So it starts off like, oh, Brandon Ayuk is toast, right? They pay Debo. Kittle's playing. Then they end up trading later in the year for for Christian McCaffrey. Mike, all that being said, this is a guy that after they paid Debo heavily was the main X on this team. Like he was the guy that was running the wide receiver one routes. He was the guy that was earning targets very consistently in the back half. People had completely discounted this guy, Mike. Mike, th- this is a guy that also had target competition everywhere and never had a like a, a significantly good quarterback throwing the ball his way. Touchdowns everywhere. Like, man, I, I look and I see wide receiver three, wide receiver ten, wide receiver ten, wide receiver four, and I can't think help but think to myself, there is so much more that could be had with Brandon Ayuk still. This is a guy that's wide receiver 15 on this season, Mike. Wide receiver 15 on this season. With Debo. Now, granted, he missed some time. With Kittle. With CMC. And Purdy. And Jimmy G. Mike, like, Brandon Ayuk to me is not, and and that's why he's not an honorable mention to me, man. This is a guy that was very deeply discounted round 9, round 8, round 10 startup pick. That is not even anywhere close to that. And he's one of the few guys that I think made sense for what we were doing last summer, which was taking running backs early, getting receivers later. This is a guy that made sense for that type of build. Not saying that was the correct play, but if you were going to get receivers in round 8, 9, 10, Brandon Ayuk smashed that out of the
1: park. I love that guy, man. He's just so good. And he's he's got like 19-foot arms.
0: Which is... He's got basketball arms. He's got 91st percentile arms. Like He's got like a
1: 6'8 wingspan and a 6-foot body. It's ridiculous how long those damn arms are, man. He just goes up and snatches the football everywhere. The crazy thing, too, one of the things you touched on in the video was how good after the catch he is, where we always think like Debo's the guy you want to get the ball in space to. Right. Brandon, Brandon does just fine when you get the ball in space to him, too. He does just does
0: fine. Does above just fine. He, he actually is very good after the catch. It's just not
1: something people associate with him because they think that's Debo's game. It's it's highly impressive to me with all those weapons that San Francisco had that he produced at the the clip he did, right? We think it'd be so hard for him to produce with Kittle and McCaffrey and Debo and, you know, even Juwan Jennings is a pretty good role player, wide receiver. Still comes out, does it. Doesn't matter if you got quarterback turmoil. And you're going three different guys in one year. Just produce him. Name a quarterback, I'll produce with him. I got it. That's a guy that you want in Dynasty, so yeah maybe maybe disrespectful for me for you no no it it ain't I just I'm just just, you know
0: listen man I've been I've been listen Mike I've been you know off for a full week COVID I'm trying (laughs) to I'm trying to make some drama here Mike. like I want to say though that there's a few things here that when you look beyond just what you see from a fantasy perspective this was actually a big discussion yesterday in the discord I think it got blown out of proportion um about like what Brandon Iyuk could be, what his ceiling could be, and this is fantasy versus real life or whatever. But like for me, when you look beyond the numbers, right? When you look beyond just like at the standard, what were his targets? What were his points per game? All that, right? There's there's a lot of things given what you know about this offense that make me really excited, Mike. And the main thing I've always been super excited about with Brandon Iyuk, we touch on this on the video too, is this is a guy that I don't think like people thought. Okay. Very athletic kid, right? But got first-round draft cap, but it wasn't necessarily a lock to be first-round. You know, I think he was picked 25. Mm-hmm. And, Mike, like, I, I think people thought he was a little raw. But the crazy part for me is, like, he's athletic like he's raw, but he's not. Like, he's refined. And I don't think people realize it. Mike, from the beginning, he's always been a guy that, on routes, creates elite separation. And, Mike, when you look at target separation from efficiency – Um, Shout out to player profiler. Number three in the NFL. When he's targeted, Mike, this dude is open. And it's because he is shaking somebody out of their shoes. This has nothing to do with his damn long arms and all that. Like, this is a guy that is absolutely electric, I think, even before he gets the ball in his hands. So then you have, you know, a a lot of other things here that I'm really excited about, Mike. But when you look at, like, total route wins, uh, zone versus man, he's top ten. Route win rate, top 12. Like, he's 8-12 and there. Um, Route participation, Mike, on a team that's extremely involved, number 14. Snap share, number 11. It's a guy that was in the doghouse. People were concerned about that. He's 92% snaps. Like, Mike, this is a guy I think that people don't realize has elite ceiling. Like, I'm not going to say he's Jefferson Chase elite, but I think he has scenario where he is actually – Val- I'm not going to say value-wise in Dynasty, but points per game can be a top 12 score. Like, he has a lot of that in there. 11 in total touchdowns, Mike, in an offense that has mouths to feed. Like, there, there, there's a bunch of other things I can get into here. But when you think about the guy that can, that plays well after the ball is in his hands, can separate like the best, has elite athleticism. Like, that. Th- that's why I'm excited about Brandon Ayuk, man. So, Dynasty Degenerate, sorry for the tangent, but you had to hear... My I you love, because I got them everywhere. Royal Rumble. Tell me where I don't have them, and, and I'll tell you that it's not real.
1: I love it, man. Anybody else that made your list that we didn't cover tonight? I mean, we got a few here. I got a, I got a ton of honorable mentions, but I mean, the the real ones where you, you're like, damn. I like, I'm
0: so shocked that you left this person off the list. All right. Let's hear Is it an honorable mention for you? Because I don't know how for you given your love for a certain football team that the slim reaper is not a win
1: listen i would say this i i didn't put them on the list because if if people know me and you you follow my content you follow what adam and i do on the ama we're probably in week two week three and i'm like man i got so many concerns about it it just feels like when aj brown's eating nobody else is eating damn it mike It's a one man show damn it one man show and uh, how damn wrong I ended up being on that early in the season. Uh, I think I think you or I, one of us, had touched on it where maybe it was just the AJ Brown thing. I think we said this exact thing where it felt like it was the new toy, and Jalen wanted to make sure that he got him involved and acclimated to the offense and made him. Oh feel yeah, I like said a, that.
0: I said that a lot of times.
1: A, a massive part, but once that kind of settled down, and then defenses were like, "We need to cover AJ Brown." Smitty just started eating. Well, Easy. well because Easy.
0: and i and i said this where li- listen i think okay maybe it'll just be me then i don't know not even i to mention for you because maybe you were panicked a little bit but I'll, I'll just first and foremost if you don't believe me go check out youtube go back and watch our horrible um youtube shorts on players where i missed heavily on cam Akers. and most of my guys were shy bateman Devontae Smith was the one though mike where like like personally for me especially after i started doing deeper dives on him, he he became one of my biggest proponents in the off season of like guys that I was very bullish on that I thought didn't make sense. And you got to understand a, a lot of things with Devonte Smith that made me believe this one coming out of college, right? So this is a guy that because of the transfer and he's, he's a senior, he didn't declare early, very polarizing. Then you had the, you know, 170 pound he's too small too skinny stuff but then Mike okay he gets very very early draft capital and then like like I don't think people appreciate how good he was as a rookie given the situation he was in like Mm -hmm. asked to be the alpha in a situ in in a team that had a guy that is still developing as a passer didn't have A.J. Brown as the alpha in the offense, right? He didn't have, like, this elite weaponry group. Dallas Goddard missed some time. Mike, like, this is a guy that had one of the best rookie seasons, top 20 as far as yards, that we've seen. So now he's got draft capital and has shown it on the field. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But still polarizing because, you know, people have these preconceived notions they want to stay to with. Did they come out early? Did they not? Did they check the boxes for them? Whatever they are. So then, Mike, you had A.J. Brown get traded over to Philly, and then it was like, okay, Devontae Smith's value went really down, right? And he was like in the mid-30s. He was very close to Brandon Ayuk, Mike, and startups. And at that point, to me, it just didn't make sense. You know, people were saying, well, it's a run-first offense. Jalen Hurts is going to run. A.J. Brown's going to be the alpha. Jalen Hurts can't support two receivers, let alone Dallas Goddard's there. Yeah. And I'm like... This doesn't make sense to me. Like, this does not make sense to me. You're discounting the fact that maybe Jalen Hurts takes a step forward as a passer, maybe because there's all these different weapons that Devontae Smith, who maybe you don't realize at 170, maybe he's not the proper alpha, but is really good at receiver. Now he's the number two, which is maybe better his, for his situation. None of this was being factored in. And then, Mike, you had week one where, like you said, AJ Brown's come over, him and Jalen Hurts have the trade. They're excited. They're boys, and and Devontae Smith only has four targets and no catches, no yards, nothing. Panic. Uh, it was panic free fall. And, and Mike, I think I, I said this a lot. Where, yeah, you don't have any film. You don't know what to expect with AJ Brown, but he starts torching the first three weeks. Now all of a sudden, you're going to start shifting attention, and guess who is going to feast? Devontae Smith. And Mike, Devontae Smith. When you look at weeks for like. I'd say week three, he got 12 targets, right? Like, kind of put it to bed. But even if you didn't believe, after the buy, let's start there. Yeah. The target volume? Mike, this is a run-first offense, they said. A.J. Brown's the alpha. Mike, this is a guy that's earning double-digit targets damn near down the stretch and not only earning them, feasting. Like, Mike, th- th- this to me was one of my biggest buys because – this was very against the grain. And I think Devontae Smith is one of the few guys that you can look at. Like even Brandon Ayuk, his value is not caught up with what his production is. Devontae Smith is one of the few guys I think that has like bucked the trend of values down, values suppressed, values depressed, and actually has got himself back into that middling early, you know, high end wide receiver two mix, which, which is really hard to do from a production standpoint for receivers that have this much negative coming their way from the majority of the dynasty community.
1: I would say this too. I saw a tweet today where Devonte Smith, if you just look at his last seven games, averaged 20 PPR points, <laughs> like his last seven games, this is including playoffs, but he has been absolutely incredible. I will say this though, Adam, uh, for me, like, if, if I start panicking on you like week two, week three, I get into my bullshit. I get into my bag. I can't put you on my biggest winners one because I flip flopped. <laughs> like I got to keep it honest. I, I respect the truth because
0: I do remember you were a little more panicked than I was, and I was still in. But call me yeah, call you, me
1: naive, but I was still in. You know, you were the calming voice of 4D right there on Devontae Smith. Incredible, Adam. I think overall, I mean, we had a, a shit ton of losers. Um But I did feel good about the winners.
0: We had a lot of losers, man. (laughs) Um,
1: You know, and...
0: and, I mean, I could give you some more, but, you know, I I don't want to take... Truthfully, Mike, I I think from this year, you know, I I could give you more winners. But to me, you know, it's not really about me telling you that I hit on all these players and I had all these values that hit. I'll be honest, man. This year was very eye-opening for me. And I've talked about this before, but from a perspective of... Like, I I think truly, I've been my eyes have been open to scenarios and being realistic on scenarios, even if it's not what I believe in my heart.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And, you know, I, I was bucking the trend on J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, all these running backs from that 2020 class are guys that I believe are supremely talented, but the dynasty community isn't valuing. And my heart's telling me, like, no, this is a guy that is super talented and I believe in and you guys are discounting but okay fine believe that don't believe that whatever you feel your preconceived notions fine if you're right what happens where is he being valued what happens if you're right if you're wrong what happens and I think that's like that bias part has been something for me this year like, removing that even a little bit further. Because I was somebody, and you and I both were, you know, names and value. Like, separate yourself from the names. And I realized that even myself, who talks that and preaches that, needed a little extra push on that, right? And I think this year, for me, Mike, I, I'm, I'm going to be a lot more open to situations that I don't like, that I don't think make sense. Like, I'll, 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 I'll start right here, Mike, before this is not necessarily winners, but like Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is not a guy that I've believed in the talent. Not a guy that I was ever excited for in any capacity. Still to this day, I have preconceived notions. I believe in Trey Lance. I think he's still talented enough. I think he hasn't even had a chance to show you he's failed. Like I think if you give Trey Lance the keys in Frisco, if Brock Purdy can do this, if Jimmy G can do this, why can't Trey Lance go ham? Right. Those are my personal opinions. But when I think about it and I take myself out of that situation, What can happen? What are the scenarios? Shit, man. What if you're wrong? What if fucking Brock Purdy isn't even that good, but the situation's so damn good, and he's just mobile enough and can deliver the ball just well enough that that team can win football games and he can score fantasy points? All that other shit doesn't matter. Right? All that other shit doesn't matter. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways for me. So regardless of winners and losers, for me, one of my biggest winning points, Mike, isn't even just – the player that I want on is all the edges. I think that I have learned and experienced, right? Liquidity, how important liquidity is, especially on certain teams, how important understanding highs and lows, like what happens if everything breaks right and breaks wrong. And then what is their current cost today? Like those type things for me, I think is the biggest winning points I have from this year. And that's where I don't think you guys want to see me going into next year. Learning that, plus all the draft capital I've accrued, Dynasty Degenerates. I hope you're not in my league. I hope you're not in my league, and I know Mike's in a lot of my league. So let's go, baby. Let's go. There's the winners.
1: Uh, listen to Adam; he's the voice of reason of forty. I said it earlier, and I mean it. As he's talking about this, I click the accept button on me trading away Brock Purdy for Zach Wilson in the two eleven.
0: <laughs> so. Good God, is that T Rock?
1: That's T Rock. That's
0: our guy T Rock. Damn it, and it's yeah. with T Rock. Wow. Well, yeah. you know what? Hey, be convicted, man. Just, you know, I with Brock Purdy, as much as I don't like it, I I have to I have to be true to what I've learned and and accept that there's a scenario where even if I don't like it, maybe that's what happens. So, anyway, th- th- that's kind of my point on my final winner. Um it's not really a player or a take I had. It's winning <laughs> it's winning from the perspective of what I've learned and grown from this year. And Mike is still out here telling you, you know what? fuck that winning you know i want zach wilson in the 211 and you know what from a process perspective it's not a horrible bet but I, I'm, I'm i'm intrigued to see how that plays out
1: listen i can guarantee you that this time next year when we're doing our winner show brock purdy and zach wilson will be both on one or the other <laughs> one of the other shows for me it's gonna be one of the ones i list off either i hit or i missed i got my convictions on both so we're gonna ride them out buddy I'm glad we got to do this show uh, i'm glad you're doing better uh hopefully we will we will never never miss another no nah, we ain't miss it we,
0: well if one of us misses i i, I just i don't want to ever not have the episode of 4d not get out again we, we had a bunch of things happening uh i'm not gonna you know spill all the beans but it was a bad week for me to get covid let's put it like that <laughs> it's and like
1: confluence uh, of bad things happening at the same time
0: so, you know, we just started the off season. We're trying to step our game up and evolve a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, eh, COVID happened. And it was at the day we normally record 4D. And it was just, it was unplanned and unforeseen. But sorry for missing last week. Um, I had to come back regardless of how I felt at least today because Mike has been itching. I mean, he's been yelling at me. DMs, Discord, texts, missed calls. We have to get my winners to the people. I'm glad we got them out there. Um, so I hope that I, I don't know. I for for me, I think what I hope, Mike, at least in Dynasty Generous, is that at least the process. Like you understand why we're whether I'm right on Kenneth Walker or not. Like you probably don't care about that. I know, and nor should you. But the process of why Kenneth Walker was right, why was Mike right on these quarterbacks, right? That, that I think, is something that you can take and learn from. And I think that's ultimately what 4D Chess is all about, is learning from past experiences and making moves that make more sense than the rest of your league. Because, Mike, when your league mates are playing chess, play 4D Chess.
1: I miss that so much. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you back here same time, same place next week. We're out of here. Peace. Peace.